Good evening, Jamsters, and welcome to another edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. Time coming to you live after the Phoenix Suns take off. Take off. <laughs> they did take off tonight. They took off all over the Horny Hornets and and beat them in a good old-fashioned swashbuckling there, Matthew. 31-point victory for the Suns, baby. Yeah, feeling good tonight, huh? Very easy. How many times did you pass out during this game? I only snoozed a bit. I probably about five minutes of this game. <laughs> a little, a little quick nap. None. A total None. of zero. Okay. Uh, well, it's because we had some turkey tonight. You know, we're doing kind of an, an early Christmas at the Voida household. Considering I will not be home for Christmas, but th- for those of you who are watching along live, you can see I am home right now. And I gotta say. It's so much nicer doing my podcast from like my normal podcasting area instead of a shitty hotel room somewhere. Uh, so this th- this feels nice to be home. We had the fam over. We had some turkey a little bit earlier, some gravy, a little bit of the stuffing. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was tough. This was one of those games where I felt myself kind of nodding a little bit because <laughs> it was a snooze fest. I mean, the, the, the Suns yeah. beat the living shit out of the the Charlotte Hornets tonight. And I'll admit, Matthew, I was wrong. You know, at the end of last podcast, we're talking about, you know, who's going to win this game. And I really saw the Suns losing this game uh, just because Mamelo Ball is a fantastic talent. There's a ton of athleticism on this team. And then the Charlotte Hornets go out there and they shoot horribly in this game, shoot 36% from the field, 36 of 100. And uh, I was wrong. And you know what? I'm happy to be wrong. Yeah. I mean, the energy I thought would be brought a little bit more from the Hornets, but they just showed up short. And, I, and maybe it's just because they're from the East. They're a mediocre team from the East. And usually when those come over, those drop down even a couple more notches when you're playing a Western team. And it was just too much for them, especially when the Suns are hitting every freaking three in the first half, of, uh, just about. Yeah, just about the entire game. I mean, they set a season high in total points scored, a season high in total three-pointers made. Yeah. It was literally just the tale of two teams tonight. So if anybody asks you, hey, what happened with that Suns game last night? And you want to give them just kind of the quick elevator speech. You know, if you're getting on an elevator somewhere and somebody asks you that question randomly out of the blue because you're wearing a Sun shirt or something, uh, okay. you, can just, you can just simply tell them. Be like, it's a tale of two teams. The Suns were in Fuego and the Charlotte Hornets couldn't buy a basket. And until the very end of the game in which, you know, Kelly Oubre was just sitting there picking off points wherever he could, essentially. <laughs> he really was. He wanted to blow some kisses tonight. It didn't really happen the way he expected. But, I mean, that's basically his career. So, uh, good luck to him and see him again shortly, maybe. Yes, and, and we'll talk about him and, and plenty mm-hmm. much more on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. So, for those of you who are joining us, we appreciate it. Make sure you follow the, the show on Twitter, at Suns Jam. You can su- subscribe on YouTube and massage that thumbs up button while you're here. Go for it. You can blow a kiss to it as well. Do a Kelly Oubre, down 30, blowing kisses. Uh, you mm-hmm. can become an elite jamster by clicking the join button or following the link in the description. Feel free to donate to the show via the Super Chat so we can use it to get Matthew a Cam Johnson jersey. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review the pod wherever you're consuming this podcast for all your favorite Phoenix Suns content. That includes Spotify, where you can now give starred review so give us a five-star review on spotify if you're listening to us on that platform uh, you can leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts, and we'll read it right here on the pod uh last but not least you can follow me at darth voida on twitter you can follow matthew on twitter at matthew lissy and it's time to pop open some ice cold beer so matthew let's let yes pop them open you got a diet coke let's right, do this. i got a beer might as well end the weekend this way yes sir crack them let's talk about this swashbuckling that the Suns put on the Hornets, baby. Cheers.
The number one team in the National Basketball Association, the Phoenix Suns, played the Charlotte Hornets tonight in Phoenix. And, you know, I just, I I, I got to kind of start this podcast where we ended the last podcast, Matthew. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask, how many LaMelo Ball jerseys <laughs> did you see there? Because... You said at the end of the last podcast that we would see not maybe more than Devin Booker, but at least an equal amount of LaMelo Ball jerseys in the stands. Because, you you know, by your logic, I'm assuming you can you can verify this or not. The modern NBA fan is is more has more of an affinity towards players versus teams. So therefore, when you have an electric talent come into town that is personified by LaMelo Ball, you are most likely going to see more of his jersey in the stands of Phoenix Suns. So, Matthew, I got to ask, how many Ball jerseys did you see? Well, you were counting for me. I think I saw one, then after that, it's really tough for me. So you picked out, I think it was three to three when I was over there. Did you see any more? Because I actually heard EJ talk about how he saw a lot of LaMelo jerseys. He didn't give us a count, and I actually <laughs> was looking in the crowd. Come on, It's kind of hard to tell with the new lighting. The new lighting in the arena is really, really nice. Uh, Madison Square Garden lighting. So it's tough to see the fans as much. So I didn't really see too many. I saw it was three to three, though, when I left your house. So <laughs> did you see any more after that? Yeah. So, you know, we we're watching the pregame together and I'm counting them in the background, you know, because Matthew's half asleep on the couch because he just smashed on like some boys. turkey and he's just kind of yeah. he had his hoodie on and he's, he looked like a depressed rapper at the end of my couch. <laughs> and I was telling him as I was wa- we were watching the pregame show, I'm like, hey, man. You know, here you go. And uh, shout out to Sonia, uh, Sonia Lovato, one of our elite jamsters. She's like, I was trying to count, Lissy. She was trying to help you out, you know. Uh, and yeah. and you're Thank right. You. You, you're more right than I want to necessarily admit because I did see plenty of them. I saw the Buzz City version. I saw the Association version. I saw the City Edition version, which I think is the Buzz City version. Uh, but before the game, behind uh, Tom Chambers, uh, you know, I, I saw plenty of those LaMelo ball jerseys, but as the game progressed and they showed the insight, you're right. It's really hard to see in that arena very far back, but I was kind of watching and I did see a lot of Devin Booker jerseys and I saw a lot of them on our female uh, uh, Phoenix Suns fans. That's who I saw were rocking a lot of those jerseys as well as a lot of the kids. I did see a couple more on the inside, but the Devin Booker jerseys, clearly outweighed the lamello ball jerseys uh good thing that we didn't really put a bet on that but you know it's an interesting observation and you know that kind of transition us transitions us right into the fact that welcome back devin booker right like booker Mm -hmm. was back uh you know it was announced kind of midday today right in the middle of the or the arizona cardinals just getting completely destroyed on television to the detroit fucking lions uh a tweet (laughs) came out that said hey devin booker's gonna play tonight and all of a sudden i was like yeah, fuck the Cardinals. Let's go Suns. <laughs> you switch over that fast, huh? Well, I mean, you you have to, right? To just forget about the heartache that <laughs> today with the Cardinals. It's the Cardinals, man. Oh, Anytime geez. they have an opportunity to clinch a playoff spot, oh, they're like, fuck yeah. this. <laughs> they forget how to play. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know what to say. It is part of being a Cardinals fan, so that's why I stay away. Uh, but it's good to have Book back. He didn't really miss a beat. He was getting to the rim uh, early in the game, doing what he wanted against that uh, really terrible, terrible Hornets defense. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. was pretty much abusing them towards the rim, including Book, who got a dunk. It's nice to see him getting up and looking agile, looking like he hasn't missed a step and that he's back and you know, no injuries really bothering him. So it's always good to see, man. It's another guy into the starting lineup 
where now you can have your bench at full capacity again uh, with Shamit. I know you're still missing Dario Sarge and Kaminsky, but I mean, it's it's getting back to normal here in Phoenix. Uh, when you have that starting lineup back to its full core, now you can just start, you know, going back to the basics with the Suns and how they were rolling early in the season. I mean, even without Booker just losing those two games, either they didn't really miss too much of a step, but it just looked like as the score shows, I mean, at full capacity, the Suns are just basically unstoppable in every version of the way, especially when you're playing against the Hornets, who, you know, I thought they would bring a lot more energy against because Book's back. LaMelo probably wants to show up against them, and it just was just didn't happen. It's kind of disappointing a little bit because I wanted to see a little bit of a back and forth between LaMelo and uh, Booker, but we didn't really get that tonight. But I'll take what we got, and what we got is a solid game from Book, only not even 30 minutes tonight either. Well, that's the beauty of it all. You know, if you think about it, Devin Booker has been out the past seven games. Uh, eight, if you include the fact that he went out in, what, the second quarter against the the uh, Golden State Warriors. And mm-hmm. if you include that game, they're six and two in those games. So just, you know, how Devin Booker must feel knowing that he could take a little extra time and that this was a good opportunity to kind of get primed up. Uh, the, the Washington Wizards, the Washington Wizards, that was the last game. The Charlotte Hornets uh, were coming off of a, a game. The, they played the previous night, right? I think it was the second night of a back-to-back. Yeah, I'm, that's what it seemed like, and I didn't even look it up. But yeah, I can look that up though. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up right. You know, I'm gonna right look it here. up. No, I'm gonna look it up, dude. Come on, I've got back. Yeah, well. <laughs> they lost <laughs> two days ago. They lost two, two days, days ago yeah. to to Portland in a game that they were getting kind of killed. Uh, so Devin Booker, you know, he, he's feeling all right. He had the plenty of time to get ready for this game and that's the beautiful thing about all of this is the fact that he has the ability to take his time to get back and then when he does come back he's not being asked to carry this team you know he ends the night six of 15 from the field four of eight from three which is kind of impressive for Devin Booker a lot of three pointers and he made 50 percent of them and ended with 16 points five assists and six rebounds so it wasn't a stellar performance but it was exactly what you wanted to see from Devin Booker it's exactly what the, the kind of performance that's like, hey, welcome back. Uh, let's go ahead and, and get you kind of, you know, reintegrated into the offense. Uh, as one of our elite jamsters, Parker Hines says, he says, book look good. You know, we didn't need him to look like Michael Jordan out there tonight or Kobe Bryant. We needed him to look like, you know, 60, 70 percent of book uh, to show us that he's kind of priming himself back up. So when that Christmas Day game comes, he's ready to rock and roll. And uh, real yeah. quick, a shout out to WD40 says the Cardinals should stop reading the notebook before they take the field. <laughs> I agree with that 110%. <laughs> what does that mean? Did I you miss seen, something? You ever seen the notebook? I mean, no, I never seen it, but. Okay. Well. Okay. Well. Some jokes just don't <laughs> land on you, Matthew, because you okay. don't watch or consume anything. Yeah, I, no, <laughs> I'm sure I would love that, but we probably watch it twice in a row, especially if it makes me cry. Um, but it, it's funny when books back into the game, you know, you don't have to re- really rely on him to do too much. I mean, we have a lot of ball handlers on the team already, a lot of scorers on the team. Scoring is not an issue. You know, it, it was a few times maybe when book was out where it's like, oh, we just need that one score to be in the game. And maybe we can win this game with a couple of losses we did have. And that would have been book. But I mean, coming into this game, you don't just don't have to rely on too much. And I, you can just tell that him being on the court, he just seems so comfortable. And he had a couple threes early to start the uh, third quarter and the second one against LaMelo ball. That was pretty, pretty, 
pretty decent. It that was, was uh, nice. That was really nice. Those are things you don't really see from book, but you can just tell before you even release that one where Lamelo's hands are down. It's a free shot. I mean, you don't really expect defense from Lamelo, but you know he just got to kind of show up against him a little bit. And when he gets that one to go down, and the next one he tries to do a turnaround three, and he misses that one. That one still looked good too. Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit of a different kind of vibe from book trying to get these really nice threes off, and you know. <laughs> Just I don't know. He's just kind of having fun out there tonight. Yeah, and that's again, that's the beauty of this team right now. So he can come back, have a little fun, uh, and we can still completely dominate. And here's what's impressive about this game. All right, get ready for this one, Suns fans. The Suns won by 31 points tonight. We had zero scores over 20 points and nine players in double digits. Nine. Jeez. And they were led, of course, by our boy. Yes, yes, Double O McGee led all Phoenix Suns scorers with 19 points. He was 9 for 10 from the field, (laughs) 7 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 block, 1 steal. And, you know, I... We, we do this every podcast at this point, Math, Matthew, where we sit here and we just go, you know, he's great. Like, I don't know how else to, how else to verbalize uh, how fantastic he's been for this team, uh, but it just goes to show you how dominant they were tonight where they had nine players in double figures led by JaVale McGee. Yeah, I mean, he he basically, he won't let up. I mean, what when you came into the, to the third quarter, they asked CJ, like, do you expect any, like, anything crazy this half like what do you expect from the suns coming out and he just talks about how you know it is difficult to keep these leads but i don't think we really think that anymore with the suns team because the way they come out in the second half especially when mcgee's in there to come back in after chris paul's taken over with the first team offense him and deandre Aiden again tonight looked even more solid and then you have mcgee to come in and not let up you have Cameron Payne to not let up but mcgee is the guy he is the actual guy the energy guy to come off the bench and just made me think too, like six man of the year award. They they released some kind of statistic that came up, and it was Cameron Johnson who was like fourth in the league with points off bench with like fourteen point seven, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. I didn't know he was up there with the elite group of the six man award contending group. And you have to think McGee. I mean, Payne at the beginning of the year, I thought he looked really good, but right now it's just kind of. If you were to choose McGee or Cameron Johnson, I mean, which one would you choose? I know they're probably not going to win the award, but right now out of the Suns, I think it would be McGee for sure. I think he's our sixth man of the year award winner right now for the Suns. I I agree 110%. You know, I mean, yeah, Cam Johnson does a lot of different things and he does them very well. He shoots Mm -hmm. the three. He plays defense. He's learning how to really expand his offensive repertoire. But JaVale McGee is the guy who is just rock solid, consistent, brings that energy, and he adds a level of offense to this team, the likes we didn't see last year. You know, we had Dario Sarch down on the block playing the five last year. You didn't get a physicality. You didn't get a guy who was out there, you know, dunking the ball, blocking, doing everything crazy. We had a whole segment about Dario because he was kind of like a slow motion train wreck that you're watching and you couldn't keep your eyes off of it. And you kind of enjoyed it. You know, it's kind of weird. You know, that was mm-hmm. that was that was a uh, uh, Dario Sarge that last year. So, yeah, JaVale McGee is definitely the Suns sixth man of the year right now. And it is interesting to hear that Cameron Johnson uh, has put forth the performance to get, you know, that many points per game because I didn't realize that. You know, I kind of think that he has his ups and his downs, but he's definitely a solid offensive contributor off of the bench. But JaVale McGee is the guy, man. He is the guy. 
Yeah, and Nicholas Tan even says too, uh, McGee is six man, and that he does disagree with me. Maybe he doesn't have a chance to win it. Maybe he does. Obviously, with the Suns with the best record right now in the NBA. I mean, you got to look at these award things and take them seriously, especially the way McGee is playing around the NBA. Everyone should know. Players should know. I mean, everyone's pretty much played with him at once in their career, even if they're working <laughs> yeah, right. this year. It's like, <laughs> you know, I played with McGee. Like, I, I had to have at least six games in my career. Um, so everyone does know who he is. And right now, he's never played this good, I don't think, in his career. So it has to be noticed. And it's been so consistent this year. Two games he took off, and we were like, what's going on with him? Are we okay? Is everything all right? Now he's back, uh, and I think it's just something we look forward to the rest of the year. So it's going to be something that's always going to be brought, especially 15 minutes, and that's it. And, and I love the offense with him because they keep feeding him over and over again, especially this game. Just keep throwing it up. The mismatches were all over the place yeah. in the paint. So just keep throwing the ball up to him, and he's going to get the crowd involved, start yelling there in the third quarter, the takeover. So uh, you can expect that every other game, basically, from McGee. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that you know a pleasant sight to see because you don't see it too often? You know, I feel like, you know, like if you're if you're playing football, you know, and I, I'm sorry for going back to like a Cardinals reference, but like Uh-oh. and you have DeAndre Hopkins, you know, you should just feed that guy. Yeah. Right. He's like one of the best fucking receivers ever. And the Cardinals uh-huh. don't do it. And you see it a lot of times with the offense, especially the first team offense, where I mean, we talk about it a lot in the pod where. DeAndre Ayton will be cooking and then they just kind of go away from him. And, you know, it's almost like Chris Paul and you got to give it up to Chris Paul. He instinctively kind of knows how to get everybody involved in the game because he knows it's beneficial for everybody on the team holistically, because that's, what's going to lead them to victory. But there's times when it's clear that DeAndre Ayton will have a mismatch and they just won't hit him. And tonight you saw the exact opposite with that. I mean, the Suns saw a mismatch with JaVale McGee on the interior and they just pounded it. They're like, okay, we're just going to keep feeding uh, JaVale the ball until, you know, he's either out of the game or they submit. You know, I mean, again, he had that 19 points and seven rebounds in only 16 minutes tonight. You know, it's yeah. not like he was in there for 25 minutes to get the, I mean, that is more than a point a minute kind of night for him. And it's because the Phoenix Suns were focused on a mismatch and they just freaking uh, uh, exploited it nonstop. Yeah, and you don't really say that too much anymore with Aiden, where it's like, oh, they went away from him because they keep feeding him too. So I'm thinking this has to be something where McGee might have said something like, hey, you got to keep feeding Aiden and I all game long, every game, because we're going to get the stats. We're going to put defenses in situations where, you know, they're going to bog down into the paint and then leave the wide open shooters. So it all goes hand in hand. So if you're feeding us and we're efficient down there, it's going to feed into everything else for the offense. And it just, it just makes sense to where, you know, I mean, in the past with Baines, Baines isn't a guy that demands the ball in the paint. I mean, no, but he's, he's a more true of a perimeter center. guy. Exactly. So now that I think we have McGee and McGee opens that up, then I think it kind of just bleeds into the first team offense where it's just like, yeah, we're going to keep feeding Aiden the way we do McGee. And that's the way it's been for like the past 20 games. We haven't really fussed at all about Aiden not getting the ball in there because I think they've just been so consistent with that too, just like they do with McGee. No, I completely agree. And again, it just it goes to show you that the Suns have a true center position because they can do that. Because what starts to happen is the defense is going to have to collapse and then the perimeter becomes open and then the Suns on a night like tonight, they start knocking down the shots. But it all starts with this guy. Watch. 
So DeAndre Ayton on the evening, uh, another very productive start for DA in 24 total minutes, had 15 points and 15 rebounds. And he did all of his damage in the first half because that's all he needed yeah. to do tonight. This is not a night where you're going to hear me complain about, oh, we needed to continue to pound it. Like they were up 22 at halftime. They were up 22 after the first quarter. So, you know, the majority of his damage happened in the first half. He had 13 points and 10 rebounds, a double-double at halftime. What did you see from DA tonight that made him so successful? Uh, I, I really like the defensive thing where um, point guards, including LaMelo tonight, you know, I don't think they look at DA still as a mismatch, but I love the block that he had on LaMelo early in the game where it kind of sends a message where it's not just to him, but it's to the league. It's like if you really think like, hey, you have the mismatch on me. I'm a big man. I can't stick with you. We've seen at Suns fans. We talked about this exhaustingly where we just talk about, you know, DA can play against any position pretty much on the, on the floor. And he did again tonight against LaMelo with a nice block. LaMelo thought he can take him. Big block, got the body on him too, but it was all ball at first. So those are things where I'm thinking, I'm like, do these players, like do these point guards, guards, whatever, when they're going up against DA still think, it's a mismatch. Even we saw Steph Curry where Aiton stepped out on him and had the big block against yep. him. Like, I think these guards still think it's a mismatch and they can go after him. And it's something that, you know, they might look for in the game plan, but I doubt that at all. I don't think that's in the game plan at all. I just think when the guards see that he's against them, it's like, oh, this might be something. But especially when you're a team from the East and we haven't really played against them this year, even last year when Aiton, second half of the season, stepped up his defense against guards. I don't know if they really see that yet. So that's something to look out for. But yeah, I mean, his hustle, the tip balls he was winning tonight under, I feel like every rebound was a tip ball. It was like Aiden got it, oh, tip, and then he would get it back. You know what I mean? So yep. the extra effort there, uh, just a fantastic game. It's nothing, there's another another game that wasn't a misstep for Aiden. He just continued his progress on the offensive end. He's looking really good, man. I think that's a, an interesting observation and something I really haven't thought about is do guards kind of know that, hey, this is a no-fly zone with DA, right? Like, yeah. you know, as you mentioned, Steph Curry, the big block on the mellow ball, which was, you know, one of those highlight moments. Uh, but it's it's something that I think instinctively, like, they're not used to having that big who is that athletic when they attack the interior, have the ability to stick with them laterally and then create such prominent – uh, shot deterrence. So I think that no matter you know, in a series, when it comes to the playoffs, yes, you're going to see a lot less of guards attacking the interior in the manner because muscle memory was, uh, was, or is something that's going to be, you know, from game to game, they're gonna be like, Oh yeah, uh, we can't do that. But when you're playing, you know, night in and night out in the, the national basketball association, you're going to just go, Hey, you know, last game I went to the rim and there was no problem. Uh, tonight I'm going to go to the rim and boom, I got DA standing there. And as a lot of, uh, uh, you know, jamsters are noting, you know, he, he was playing against Plum Lee, right? Which Plum Lee was it? Yeah. Mason, Mason Plum Lee? It was Mason. <laughs> See, I don't Miles. even know. Yeah, yeah, it, Miles it, Bridges. It, All right. Yeah, Miles Bridges, Mason Plum Lee. Uh, mm. We got Matthew's biggest fan uh, in the chat. One, two, three says, do you think Plum Lee is washed? <laughs> Matthew, do you think Plum Lee is washed? Uh, you, you're right there, buddy? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, is that yeah. your picture? <laughs> Yeah, it's my picture. Is that, is that Ashley? That's that's Ashley, adorable. That that's you? what that is. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, she was taking pictures of me. That was in Vegas. You know, those are my my modeling pics. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I mean, does he wash? I don't know, man. He doesn't. 
<laughs> when he's on the floor, he's basically in the middle of like four yeah. suns every time he's trying to grab a board and grab a tip ball. He's gonna he's not gonna win that against DA or even McGee or anybody else we had down there against him. Um I don't know if he's watched. I think he's just a plumley man. He's he's yeah, one he's of just... the old He's one of the plumleys that Suns would have gotten five years ago. So sorry, Jamsters. I just I had to bring that question up because I saw this in the chat and I saw it was Matthew's picture and I know <laughs> I'm also like trying or it's it. Matthew. It's Matthew's <laughs> niece doing it. Like who gives a shit if yeah. uh, if <laughs> Plumley and Victorious <laughs> in the chest is no way is a bigger fan than Matthew I am than I am. No way. So the Matthew oh, Lissy okay. fan club. Let's it's, see. It's, yeah, it's a real thing. So, uh, but again, you know, a fantastic performance by DeAndre Ayton and. Uh, you know, it, it was really interesting. You know, I'm, I'm definitely going to switch gears here, but it was really interesting seeing, as we mentioned at the top of the, the, the podcast, one of our old buddies, Kelly Oubre, playing for the uh, the Charlotte Hornets tonight. Uh, you know, looking at some of the, you know, WD-40. Oubre looks like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy Luigi. Oubre with blonde hair looks so wrong, I swear. Um, what do you think about hmm. Kelly Oubre? You know, I like the blonde hair. I just, I like it when it's poofy, though. It was too flat. I don't know if it's the weather out here. Like, this blow dryer wasn't work. The cut, someone cut his cord. But um, I like the poofy hair. But Ubre, I don't know if you noticed in the, I don't know if Eddie brought it up or someone brought it up in the broadcast about him playing in Golden State and how he just thought there was too many scores. Was that really something? Because I'm like, come on. Like, is that something else he complained about? Probably. You know what I mean? Like someone else's fault. I don't know. Um, I love Ubre there. I think he's been doing a great job for the Hornets, of course. And when he comes back to Phoenix, he wants to get in any shot he can against them. He went on a little run there, kind of in the fourth quarter, blowing a little bit of the kisses. But yeah, other other than that, it wasn't, you know, he didn't really have a leg to stand on with the team he was surrounded by tonight and the effort that they put forth against the Suns. It was just impossible. So um, I wish him all the best. I don't I don't really know. In a game like this, in a blowout, you kind of are glad it's a blowout so Kelly doesn't have the opportunity to hit like a dagger three or something like I thought that might have happened before the game where we did the preview. I'm like, I could see him hitting the game-winning three. There, I mean, there's really no option there tonight. So good thing to kind of just not shut him up. But, you know, you just you want to defeat those players like a Ricky Rubio. You know, you you like what they brought to Phoenix, but you want to just kind of shut them up, you know, and be like, hey, we're fine without you, man. Yeah, no, exactly. And, uh, you know, I comment to you when we were watching the game. I'm like, it's got to be really weird for Kelly Oubre playing this team because outside of Chris Paul, it's pretty much the same team, especially the starters. You know, Chris Paul and Jay Crowder weren't there when he was, but mm-hmm. he, he's out there. He's playing against campaign who he was around in the bubble. They didn't play together because Kelly chose not to play in the bubble. He wanted to protect his assets. Uh, which yes. were his legs, uh, but seeing Dem Booker, seeing DA, seeing Cam Johnson, seeing Mikhail Bridges, you know, all these guys that he was a part of that team. It's got to be weird for him on the other side of that. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, one thing that I noticed, and this is probably just me, but I noticed that the Suns were real wearing the purple jerseys tonight, right? Yeah, but they, but they had the valley floor going on. Yes, I know. And I'm like, is this like a low key diss to to Kelly Oubre? Obviously, it's not. Like, no organization is going to go that far just to diss a former <laughs> player. But you know, it just it brought me back to the days where Kelly Oubre is with a horse, and you know, showing off the valley jerseys. And like two days later, he's getting traded. Uh, but I did think hmm. it was funny, you know, where he was rejected by Javale McGee, and Javale kind of gave him the finger. But then a part of me <laughs> said. And by the finger, I don't mean the middle finger, listeners. I was doing this. I was doing the Demican Bay Matumbo. He's like nothing in my house. He was <laughs> yeah. doing that shit. Uh, but as Nick Nicholas Blackiston, Blackiston, uh, how can we get Ubre back? 
And this is actually something I was thinking about watching this game because now that he's accepted a bench role, he would be a decent bench player, I feel like, for the Suns because the Suns don't rely on as much chemistry on the second team as they do the first team, right? The second team is kind of always changing based off of injuries. You're going to see some guys get more minutes than others. You know, Kelly's on year one of a two-year, $12 million contract. So, you know, you're talking all this Thad Young stuff. Thad Young, I think, makes $14 million. So it's like, it's definitely plausible for like Dario Sarge, Jalen Smith kind of thing. You know, obviously the Charlotte Horny Hornets would have to be willing to move forward with a trade that doesn't really necessarily <laughs> benefit them unless they really think Jalen Smith is the shit. But would you want Kelly Oubre back? And do you think the Suns, if they did uh, bring him back, would it would be beneficial for the team? I, yeah, I think it would, and it, but it would be like how many minutes you're going to give him? Because Cameron Johnson's already taken him, you know, 22 minutes a game at least, um, and then you got Kelly who's going to want the same amount. So I'm trying to look. I mean, Landry Shaman, you want to get him involved too, of course. No, I mean, but you take like the Itch Wainwright, uh, uh, yeah, Abdul those Nader, those nits, yeah, the, the, the three, the backup three. Right. Yeah, That's, I know. No, yeah, yeah. I would definitely want Ubre back. I think Ubre would be one of those guys that would be welcome to come back. And I think they would want him back. He would want to come back. There's no hard feelings at all, really. I don't think between him and the organization, we had to do what we had to do. I think he's over by now. If he were to come back and help us win a championship or something, that'd be a good story, I think, for him. And he has that confidence we want off the bench. I think Cameron Payne, we look to as for confidence and some guy that can hit a big shot once in a while, you know, when he can hit those threes. But I think, Kelly, you can really count on that. You can count on him to come in and have that confidence if he knows his role, like you said. That's all we need from him. Mm -hmm. And I would love to – yeah, it's, it's less money. And also, if he can just scrounge up those minutes from Jalen Smith like tonight and – I don't know. I mean, just those Jalen Smith minutes that we need. But then when Kaminsky comes back, maybe you got an issue there. And then you got Saric too. Well, but again, so, who knows? If, if we're bringing him back, we're losing Jalen Smith and Dario Saric, right? So, like, J the Jalen Smith minutes are automatic. Yeah, that's gone, tough. Right? Would you want to give up Saric? Or would you rather have yeah. Kelly and Saric? Yeah, I've got no yeah. problem having Kelly and Saric because the reason that we have uh, or we have Jamel McGee uh, is to make up for sticks or make up for Saric, mm -hmm. and he's he's crushing it, as we just mentioned. Like, we're talking about he is the sixth man for the Suns. As much as we like Dario, he, we never talked about him being the sixth man last year. You know, it was more of Cam Johnson. So, uh, Mega we Giants, did in the beginning. Remember, he we did was in the beginning. Man? Yeah, and he had it for like just, two weeks. He had two good weeks last year in like fucking February, and because yeah. the, the season started in late December, he was really good in February. And then he was a bum. Uh, Mega Giants eighty nine says, "I'd love to have Ubre back." Uh, Metal Mike, who loves your hat because your hat matches his logo on YouTube, one of our lead jamsters, he says no. <laughs> and then you have Alex Kroll says, "Don't want him back." Uh, Low okay. Sun says also no defense. He slacks it. Uh, Saltia Lewis. No. So, I mean, it, it, what's here's what's interesting. You know, this is kind of why I bring up this point. Uh, oh, and last but not least, Felix. Nope, guys. He take Cam Johnson's minutes, uh, which I don't think he would. Cam Johnson plays the backup for. Um, it's funny how far we've come as a fan base, haven't we? Remember when we traded Kelly Oubre? and Ricky Rubio for Chris Paul and how divided the fan base was, at least on Twitter, which we know isn't the real world. But he it was divided because so many people loved Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre. They were fan yeah. favorites. Chris Paul was old. Chris Paul was this. Chris Paul was that. Now we're at the point where we're the best freaking team in the NBA. And we yeah. don't want to bring in anybody unless we know that they're going to fit in perfectly here. And that's the challenge I have when I pose this question that I've spent way too much time talking about on this podcast is – 
uh, why why bring Kelly back? You know, I mean, mm. he's somebody who has a lot of flair and a lot of uh, swag and a lot of personality, and he's somebody who, unless he completely and utterly accepts the confines of his role, he, he's one of those guys who just thinks he's better than he is and he's not humble about it. Well, good, bad, or indifferent, you know that that's what makes him successful, right? But that's not what we need here because we are, in every essence of a, of the word, a team. And everybody knows and accepts their role and is willing to be coached. And he's one of those guys who it's like, as, as Eddie was mentioned on the broadcast, and as you brought up earlier, like if he was having issues in Golden State because he wasn't getting enough scoring opportunities, it's like, come on, dude. He, he's, he's a ball hog, right? Like, we, we don't need yeah. that. We don't need a guy who doesn't play defense. We need kind of a Tory Craig type of person versus a Kelly Oubre kind of person. Yeah, but also if you were to come back, I don't think there would be any chemistry issues. Um, you you would never hear anything like that. But Kelby is a guy I feel like that might say something. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because we've oh, heard he it even when he was on the Sun. So maybe you couldn't quiet that as much as you would think, even though you're a great organization now, great chemistry and all that, great coaching, general manager. You think, oh, maybe we can just you know shove that under the rug. He wouldn't say anything, but he might. So I guess he wouldn't want to mess that up. And a lot of people are just saying juice over him too. So yeah, Tory Craig is another guy that I'd probably take over Kelly right now. Oh, easily. And again, you look at Kelly Oubre's final stat line tonight. He had 18 points. Uh, 10 of those came in the in the fourth quarter, ladies and gentlemen. So I don't want to hear anybody, you know, looking in, at the box score and be like, well, he scored his 18 points and he's doing this, that, and the other. It's like, dude, he got in garbage time. Uh, as Gacknar123 says, bring back the juice. Yes. yes. Bring back Tory, the juice, Craig. Yeah, I would absolutely love back. that. Uh, you know, your, your boy LaMelo ball played tonight. Uh, uh you know, did we he? got a good, we got a look at he? <laughs> He's still sick probably too. Oh man. Two for 12 from the field. Yeah. Uh, he had 10 rebounds. He had seven assists, only had the nine points. And here's one thing that I noticed. And I wrote down this in my notes. He got Chris Paul to start playing pissed. I kind of got a little Jordan and Pippen versus Ku coach. Uh, you know, Team USA 1992 vibes when it came to LaMelo last night. And uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, you obviously didn't watch The Last Dance or know your basketball history, but Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen heard that the GM uh, for the Chicago Bulls really liked Tony Kukoc. So when they played against his team, which I believe was Croatia, in the 1992 uh, Barcelona games, they determined they were going to shut him out. And they attacked him relentlessly to where he had a horrible first showing. He had a a, a somewhat better second showing against Team USA. And the reason I bring this up is because I I was kind of feeling that tonight between like Devin Booker and uh, Jay Crowder and Chris Paul. Right. I mean, you know, Nick says in the chat, he's like that Crowder stare summed it up. Hmm. Crowder gave uh, LaMelo Mm -hmm. Ball a stare after a play that like, you know, burned my soul. And they really went after him. I felt like Chris Paul, it's almost like, you know, Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, you know, all the defensive guys before the game are like, listen, this guy has so much hype about him. He's the one guy we're focusing on shutting down tonight. And again, two for 12 from the field. I think they did their job, Matthew. They did. I mean, uh, when LaMelo is, you know, he's a star coming in here. I mean, whether or not you think he is, he, he basically is a star of the league, I think already, just by the name and the play he's been showing up in Charlotte. So it's a guy you want to shut up. And I don't think, 
it doesn't really matter how much of a vet these guys are on the Suns team where, you know, Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, they've been around this before. They want to shut this guy up, but it does get something. Who knows what he even says to on the court? You don't hear that part. So maybe he's exactly. saying some stuff like when he ran by Jay for that three and then Jay gave that stare. And, you know, Jay's, Jay's been the guy now where he, he knows the camera's on him. He's, he's putting on a show now, you know, with his emotions where he, he's getting a lot of attention from the camera. So, I think it's half and half of that. I think Jay knows when the camera's on him and he likes to actually show a little bit more emotion and have fun with it. And then he knows like when he's knocking down those threes and the team is just hot, he, he can back it up. So that's what they do, man. I think that they like, and you got to be careful too, because if you are LaMelo, don't say too much because these guys like it. I mean, Booker likes it too. If you're going to try to light a little bit of more of a fire underneath them, I don't think they even need that because they come out in the third quarter where they're up by 20 and they're still going to just give it to you. So I like what they did. I mean, I think that LaMelo had to have said something because I don't really see that energy a lot where, you know, other teams hate him so much because I think LaMelo is very quiet from what I can see on the court. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he his play sometimes, he might get a little bit too crazy and show off a little bit maybe too much. And maybe players might not like that, but talking, I don't ever see that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I watch a little bit of the Hornets. You know, it's like I say, they're one of my league pass favorites. They're a team that if I see that they're on, like, I'll, I'll tune in and watch. Because I like the way that they move the ball. I like a lot of their pieces. I like, obviously, LaMelo. I think Miles Bridges is a fantastic young talent. Uh, Kelly Oubre is obviously on the team. So as a former, you know, a, a member of the Suns, I'm always interested just to kind of see what people are doing once they depart from here. Uh, but at the same time, like, yeah, I don't know. I I've, Based on my observations, I don't see him as much of a talker. And... Yeah. Tonight, he was talking a little bit, and I swear, Jay Crowder gave him that look. Uh, who just said this right here? Let me pull it up. Uh, Metal Mike, that Crowder scare woke up my sleeping kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was savage. And then Chris yeah. Paul was playing pissed, too. I mean, he was. it was one of those nights where the Suns were clearly in control, and it almost felt like you know Chris Paul, in, jo- in true Jordan-esque behavior, was like trying to find ways to get himself jacked up and motivated, and having Ball on the other side kind of uh assisted in doing that you know it wasn't the the most earth-shattering night again from chris paul just like last game but you don't need him to in these these situations 24 total minutes 14 and 9 like that's exactly what you need and i feel like you know Lamelo ball who only played the 25 minutes because his team was getting actually absolutely you know demolished uh really kind of was the guy who set that catalyst for the suns to to move forward and, and ultimately come out with the victory yeah, before I sneeze, um, I, it might have something to do with COVID too. So, <laughs> oh, you, oh, okay. Well, never mind. The sneeze is gone. I don't think that's very healthy for me. But I just no, you just stare into your guys. camera, look at all the jamsters, and all of a sudden, all of your sneezes are gone. <laughs> uh, what about Miles Bridges? What did you see from this kid tonight? You know, twenty six points, ten to sixteen from the field. You know, a very yeah. solid, efficient night. Five rebounds and a couple steals. Oh, he's fun. I mean, even like the one dunk I feel like he had tonight where it was like a runaway dunk, how high he can get up. You can just yeah. hear the difference between like him. And this is no shot at any sun, all right? Because the suns are a very unsexy team when it comes to the high flying, getting up there, getting the crowd involved. You don't see it as much. But you just see why Miles Bridges was a known name before Mikel Bridges because oh, yeah. of those dunks. And that's just the way it is. And he got the suns fans, everybody up on his feet, even if they're down by 30 points. It can get up like that. It brings everyone to their feet. That's a lot of what people come to see when they want to go see a basketball game. You, especially when you're seeing the Hornets, you want to see Lamelo Ball and you want to see Miles Bridges. Some people want to see Miles Bridges in front of Lamelo Ball because of that, because of that reason. So he's he's fun to watch, man. I 
it's just it's disappointing to me great stats and stuff because i wanted to see this team actually play in a better effort against the suns and it's just disappointing because i wanted to see them the way that they've been playing against like these other higher you know seated teams around the east and the west to where they put a better competition and we just couldn't see it tonight because i wanted to see the way they play and i think it just had to do with lamello maybe with the covid maybe a little bit but I just wanted to see the way Miles would play in that situation where he's going up against the, the Aiden and Mikhail Bridges in the paint and Cameron Johnson, and you just couldn't get that tonight. So that's the only thing I'm kind of disappointed in. Well, and see, I mean, you used the word disappointed like four times there. I'm not disappointed at all. I mean, this I love these games. I love it when the Suns kick the shit out of them to the point yeah, where, yeah. where Matthew's snoozing at the end of the first quarter. You know, I mean, that that's a good kind of <laughs> game. But I get what you're saying. Like, this is a team that you really wanted to kind of see where they're at relative to their uh, how good they are in the Eastern Conference. And the Suns are a good measuring stick. And you know a lot of Hornets fans came into this game with that same kind of understanding. And this is a game that I will credit the Suns and their offense uh, nonstop. They're, they're, they were fantastic tonight. They also had their highest amount of assists in a game with 35, uh, the previous high being 34. As I mentioned earlier, the most amount of points that they've scored in a season thus far, uh, nine players in double figures. I mean, the Suns on offense were absolutely fantastic. The I wouldn't say that their defense was great. I think that the Charlotte Hornets just kind of got in their own way tonight. You know, as I mentioned, you know, 36 out of 100 from the field and 10 for 45 from three, that's 22%. They just couldn't hit any of their shots. They they also shot 15 more free throws than the Suns and made 13 more. So, I mean, they killed us from the line, if you will. Uh, but again, they were a team that just couldn't get out of their own way. So I don't know if I necessarily can credit the defense for that. And I'm with you. Like I would have liked to see a more solid performance to just have a good understanding of who this team is relative to the Suns, but I'm okay with them kicking the shit out of them. I'm not disappointed, (laughs) man. No, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the two naps I took for 10 minutes. (laughs) Those were good naps. (laughs) (laughs) The the Bridges, the other Bridges, Mikhail Bridges. Why can no one ever get his name right? I was thinking about that today. I'm like, Mikhail is not that hard of a name. You know, it's not like oh, when you first read it and just say it, is that what you're talking about? Well, like just if like, someone no, but like sheet. ESPN did it not too long ago where they did the power rankings and they're like, Miles Bridges had a great game against Steph Curry. Yeah. It's like, yeah. come on, like, yeah, it can't be that hard, you know, but another solid night for him. He was four for six from deep and had a total of 16 points. And I thought he looked really good. And yeah. it just goes to show you, you know, we were obviously very critical on this here pod uh, of his performance on the games where Devin Booker was out. But he just everything falls right into place for him once Devin Booker's back because he doesn't need to be a shot creator. He can just sit in the corner and stroke threes all day. And that's exactly what he did tonight, man. Yeah. And and, uh, I'm not going to say disappointing again for the fifth time, but no, I'm just kidding. It's uh, it's not disappointing for him to actually show up again when Booker comes back. Um, It's good to see the threes go in, even though they're not very sexy looking. It's good to see them go in because now, you know, he can just find his role with Booker back. The whole starting lineup's back. Nothing's ask there's not too much ask for him on the offensive end you know he exerts a lot of energy on the defensive end so you don't really want to put too much pressure on him offensively we found that out like you said so now that booker's back you can hit his threes but i still like to see him get to the rim and i still like to see him pull for that little mid-range uh fadeaway yes more more times than none just don't get away from it too much i feel like with mikhail i don't want it to be where it's like oh we don't need it 
from him. So why should we expect it? Because I, I, I expect it. I think he yeah, can be too. that guy still. And there'll be a certain point this season where he comes back and he shows up that he can maybe be a third and four option on the offense. And until that time comes, uh, hopefully he can hit his threes and just get more confidence, get back into the lane. Yeah, and, and it will. I mean, again, with Devin Booker back, that's that's everything. Uh, and it frees him up to do just that. So, uh, you know, great job by uh, Mikhail Bridges again tonight. Uh, great job by Cameron Payne and Landry Champagne, if you will. They combined for a total of 10 for 17 from the field, which happens to be my birthday, and 26 total points. So uh, I thought they did a great job coming in and spelling. And that, that's really what put this game away, I feel like. Uh, in that first quarter, the Suns, 37 points, Charlotte 15. So they're up 22. And the reason they got to 37 points is because the, the first team looked fantastic. They looked fresh. They looked crisp. It's almost as if those extra uh, minutes that they took off on, in the last game against the Wizards were highly beneficial. And we talked about this a little bit, like having the starters to have the ability to take a, a kind of the entire fourth quarter off with you know, the, the games kind of falling where they were, right? They played the Blazers. They had a day off. They played that game. They had they only played three quarters. Then they had two days off. They had this one. I mean, they were fresh coming in. But then you had Landry Sham and campaign come in and just continue the offensive onslaught with JaVale McGee. And, like, that ultimately just – they put away early. And because they everyone was filling in a rhythm, as I've mentioned, obviously, the Phoenix Suns scored their most points of the season. Uh, but it was it was really nice. It, it's like Victoria says, if Shamit can kill it off the bench, like, look out. That's a fact. Yeah. If we could continue to score those points coming off the bench, like, dude, like, watch out. Yeah. Blowout and no a blowout. I'm glad that he got off the bench and he started nailing his threes even when we were up by 30. Like, he needs that continued pressure on him to knock down those shots because that's really, that is just all we need from him. Um, but when you're talking about, too, just, I don't know. I think that Peyton was terrible tonight. <laughs> I didn't really want to bring yeah, him up. Did the look six bad. turnovers. I was surprised I thought, yeah. he had as many minutes as he did initially. I, six, I get it at the back turnovers. end of the game because it's a it's it's a uh, it's a blowout. But he was playing yeah. like the second quarter and throwing the ball away, and it was like dumb turnovers too. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's the one thing that we could take away from the bench and be like, all right, maybe not not enough of that. I don't think you want to rely on Shamit to be a a playmaker either. Uh, so I mean, you'll find it some with some other place. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Alfred Payton comes back around to where he just be mediocre again, but. It's been rough for him of late, dude. He's not really finding himself. Yeah, and it, you know he's one of those guys who uh, every time he does that, Matthew has to terrible take a lap. <laughs> yeah, because that's your boy. That's your boy. You got to take a lap on yeah. that. Yeah. So, all right, Jamsters, it's that time of the podcast. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, just a reminder, if you're listening to the podcast, please give us a five-star review. And if you are watching the podcast, hit that thumbs up button down below. Helps with the algorithms. Let's all the people know and the entire planet who come onto YouTube and they're looking for the best post-game podcast for the best team in the NBA. Sends them right here. Sends Jam Session Podcast. Matthew, who are you giving your Jam Star of the Game to? Oh, man. Is it going to be JaVale McGee again? I think it's going to be JaVale McGee again. Uh, I mean, when you put up those numbers in that many minutes, fits. I think he only does it in 16 minutes max. You know what I mean? He can do pretty much anything you want in 16 minutes. It's, it is. It's unbelievable. And he's uh, he's the leader on the board, I think, this year for Jam Stars. And he continues to bring it, man. I, I'm not saying that he won the game for us because obviously our knockdown three-point shooting really won it. Uh, the assist, moving the ball around like that. But he's just available 
and to to be a guy to come in and not just you know be lackadaisical and just not really care if you're up by 30 be like you know what yeah i'll get a rebound here or there if i get the ball whatever no he continues to bring it every minute he's in the game and that's why he's a nice jam star man i just can't get enough of him i can't you well you're gonna have to okay so settle down okay christmas is just around the corner you know he's got a family too uh ted lubin i like what he says he says mick ayton Mick Aiden, there you McGain, go. McGee and DeAndre yeah, it's Aiden both combined. Of them, right? It is. Yeah. It really is. Again, you know, you look at kind of their production in the time that they put out there. So DA plus uh, McGee, that's a total of 40 minutes played. You ended with, mathematically speaking, 34 points, uh, 15 plus 7, 22 rebounds. I mean, that's that that's huge from your interior. And then you couple that with the, the Phoenix Suns making their most three-pointers of the year, and it just opens everything up. That That's the why. That's the why. That's why this team won tonight is because we were so damn efficient from the interior that if you try to collapse on us, it left our guys wide open. They hit the shots. You know, those shots are going to continue to come for this team. So when you have Cameron Payne and you have Cam Johnson and you have Landry Shaman, these guys, Mikhail Bridges, Devin Booker, Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul was stroking the three ball tonight. He went two for four. You know, everybody gets these wide open shots because everyone has to collapse on the tier because we're just killing them in, inside there. And it starts with McAyton. Starts with both DeAndre Ayton and JaVale McGee. We had 60 points in the paint tonight, and that's on uh, their effort. So I agree with that one. I think that McAyton is a good call for that. Uh, next up for the Phoenix Suns. Ooh, this is going to be fun because we love talking shit about this team, don't we, Matthew? The Suns are playing in Los Angeles against the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, where do we start here, Matthew? Where do we start? Off, Probably not on mute is my guess. <laughs> Anthony Davis injury. Yeah, right? So he's out, what, four to six weeks? Two to yes, What what they say? Yeah. An, an, an MCL sprain? Yeah. So a month. A month for you know and again it sucks man it sucks when these players are injured uh but unfortunately when it comes to like um to to anthony davis it's kind of expected at this point i feel like it is you know the the only time they his team won a championship and lebron won a championship was a time when there was a break for months for the pandemic and it allowed all the Lakers to get healthy and, and and to get kind of ready for that. Because my guess is if that season had gone on as planned, some injury would have happened. And it was probably the best thing to ever happen for LeBron. Yeah. Um, it's too bad for this team, right? They can never really pull it together. Fuck I don't em. know if there's <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, the whole Westbrook thing, you called it. I always said in the beginning of the year, I'm like, they're still the best team because they're the two best players on the team together. Uh, obviously they can't stay healthy, even when LeBron's in the game. I think he's averaging like 16 and 10 sometimes, some games. And it's crazy. Like him and Luca, their numbers just went down tremendously and it's just not the same kind of player i think both of them i mean lebron age so that's always something and that's something that they've been pointing out the last five years just his team doesn't have it together and you kind of figure it out when they got westbrook it's like okay they're not going to be really a team anymore right it's just three guys we'll figure it out we'll find a way to win right now it's not looking good at all and it's awesome it's 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 fun to watch uh, hopefully they don't come back and bring anything, bring any kind of energy to their team. This trade deadline, hopefully it kind of just stays that way. But I don't it's, know what they're supposed to do, man. I mean, I'm even so seeing stuff hard with LeBron, for him. But LeBron going back to Cleveland is All something right, so, that I so, keep seeing. Okay, <laughs> what do you okay. Think about so, that, man? Well, so first, let, let me start with Westbrook and then I'll, I'll move into LeBron. Because you know me, I always have something to say about LeBron, don't I? Um, so, yeah, with, with Westbrook, 
you know, I never was a fan of it because I felt like it was kind of like a mini LeBron who who can't shoot in the fourth, right? Like he's a guy who's very ball dominant, who's got great passion for the game. And you you love those passion for the game players. And he has a physicality to him that makes sense. But when you have both him and LeBron on the same team, it's like you have two of the same player. Like I just don't understand how it's supposed to work knowing that he can't shoot the three ball and he's horrible in clutch time minutes. Like he, the difference between the Suns and the Lakers is like we have Chris Paul who is a fucking beast in the clutch time moments, and you have Westbrook, who's like throwing shit off the side of the backboard, right? It just doesn't make sense. So, uh, I love this. Uh, who just said this? Uh, I'm sorry, this is great for everyone listening. Yeah, they oh, come on, click on the comment. Anthony Davis, aka Street Clothes. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. you know, again, yeah. he, he's he's injured. He's always in. LeBron got back. I mean, again, what LeBron does is unbelievable considering his age. Like, I'm not going to diss the guy for his level of passion and the talent that he's displaying at the age and the number of miles that this guy has on it. But Bill Simmons called it, didn't he? He did. Bill Simmons said like two weeks ago, he's like, I can't wait. He's like, I'm calling it right here. He said, turn the camera on, Kyle. said, I'm calling it right now. In two weeks, there will be stories percolating about how LeBron wants to go back to Cleveland to close his career out because the talent there is is young and this and that, and he wants to do it for Cleveland. It's the same thing that happened in Miami with him. It's the same bullshit because what's happened in LA is they've run into a dead end because of the weight of their contracts, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook, unless you get rid of Westbrook for a ton of little assets, that team is in a dead end contractually. There's nowhere they can go for at least the next three years. They can't do it. And it's the same thing that kind of happened in Cleveland. Where LeBron mm-hmm. smartly give it, you got to give him props. Instinctively goes, you know what? I'm going to sign one or two year deals because he gives himself flexibility. And what happened in Miami is after they went through, you know, their three finals runs, they won two, they lost one. It was kind of the whole. I can tell that D Wade's getting washed. Chris Bosh isn't, you know, a solid number three, solid enough. And we've kind of run ourselves into a brick wall here. And all of a sudden, over in Cleveland, they had the number one pick. And do you remember who they took with that number one pick? Yeah, I do. Who is it? Andrew Wiggins. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. They took they they drafted Kyrie Irving, and all of a sudden, the Cleveland team that was fucking horrible the year that he left, the year after he left, they were horrible. Worst team in the league. And then they got the number one pick. And all of a sudden, they were a team in the, right in the middle, and all they really needed was like a LeBron. All of a sudden, LeBron spins it, so it sounds like he's a savior coming back to Cleveland. I'm going to win them the first chance. Cleveland! This is for you! The most staged fucking after winning a championship quote ever by LeBron James, of course. And the same thing's happening now because guess what? Cleveland's right there in the middle again, right? They just got Mobley. Mobley is a fantastic talent. Their people are calling him the next Garnett, whatever. He's the first Evan Mobley, and he's fantastic to watch. They got a lot of really good, solid players. They got Kevin Love coming off the bench, playing his role finally. And all of a sudden, now the stories are percolating, just as Bill Simmons said, about LeBron James thinking about wanting to go back to Cleveland. Fuck all that. You get to stay in LA, buddy. You get to stay in the bed that you made. You got all the young, good talent to leave there because you wanted your guys, right? You didn't want Kyle Kuzma. You didn't want, uh, uh, not LaMelo ball. Help me. Mm. Lonzo. You didn't Lonzo. want Lonzo ball. You didn't want Julius Randall. You didn't, you didn't want Brandon Ingram. You didn't want all these great young, talented guys. No, you wanted yeah. your guys. You wanted Anthony Davis. You would sit at night jerking off to Anthony Davis's pictures, hoping you could bring him in here from the Pelicans. So you got him. 
Okay. And now you got Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony and all your old buddies from the 2012 Olympic team. And you guys are dog shit. Now they're dropping like flies. Trevor Reese's got a walker in the back, you know, into the crypto.com yeah. arena. You know, you, they're done. And you get to lay in the bed that you made, LeBron. That's all your fault. None of those guys wanted to play with you. None of those guys would were allowed to play with you. You wouldn't let them play with you. So fuck you, LeBron. As yeah, it, love voice. And honestly, it, it probably will happen. Um, but how do you do this though with Westbrook? Like he has to be a guy that you trade because you it's been 20 games or so where you've actually maybe combined, I think it's 16 games or 18 games that they played together. Uh-huh. But you have to know by now, right, that it's just not going to work and you have to make a trade, but you brought him in here. I mean, you guys are friends. How does that even go over to where you're like, okay, this isn't going to work. You're obviously the same player. I can't change you. You're forcing yourself into this bad relationship with somebody. You already know who they are. You can't change them. So it's it's not going to work out. You got to get out of it quick. And then Anthony Davis, like you're going to leave the franchise to the Lakers or leave him the franchise with the Lakers. It's just like, you know, now he's always hurt. Like mentally, I feel like that's going to kill Anthony Davis if he's the face of the Lakers franchise when LeBron leaves and he can't get anybody there to play with him because he's always hurt. So then now he's going to have depression issues. It's always a spiral with LeBron. Everybody that's really kind of attached to him at first and then they detach themselves and then they all go into like this mental illness kind of campaign right after. So those are things to watch. I just, it's very strange because I don't know how he gets out of this. And if he does go back to Cleveland, like how fun is that going to be? Who cares? It, you know, he, I, I can't really jump on the bandwagon again with him. Cause I do support a lot that he does. Mm-hmm. Of course, in the uh, out, out of basketball and out I, of I basketball, love watching I him play a lot. Yeah. Without a yeah, doubt. I love watching him play too, but these things he does to just tear franchises apart. I mean, well, that's they got it. the bubble championship, but you know that's not going to really even matter. Well, I after mean, this it, is all said it, and done. it will always matter because everyone will always put that that tick mark next to his his uh, name. And you know, I'll give him credit for it. Like they won that championship, right? You know, but again, had there been no pandemic, who says they would have won that championship? Because he needed rest, AD needed rest. They all got the rest that they needed, and they powered forward. And they all they ultimately yeah. won it. So I'll, I'll give him credit for that. But he, you know, in his head, he can't accept that. And again, I do support a lot of the things that he does outside of basketball, but you're right. He's like a black hole going from franchise to franchise and just tearing them apart, you know, and it's again, it's all for his narrative. I just you look at him and and Russell Westbrook and obviously, you know, you're talking about something much, much deeper when you're talking about depression and the mental health issues that might happen from a LeBron fallout. You know, that's Kevin Love, right? I mean, Kevin Love kind of dealt with the mental issues following the LeBron fallout, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's easy for LeBron because, you know, LeBron's the classic. When we win, it's my fault. When we lose, it's everybody else's fault guy. Like, I don't think I've seen another NBA player who personifies that in every essence of the word more than LeBron. You know, he's never a like, we lost it because of me kind of guy. He's like, you know, he always strategically puts himself in a, in a place where it's it wasn't his fault. So if Russell Westbrook needs to be traded, which let's face it, if the Lakers want to be successful, that's the answer. The challenge that they have is nobody in the league wants Russell Westbrook, nor do they want his contract anymore, right? I mean, the 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 uh, the Lakers are are stuck. Of course, yeah. You know, maybe that's not true, especially considering like uh, every contract is tradable. People thought that Chris Paul's contract was um, was horrible and that nobody would ever want to take it on. You know, but if you look at Russell Westbrook's contract and you and you see what he's making uh, for the Los Angeles Lakers this year, he is currently making forty four dollars a year. Okay, 
And he's making $47 million next year before he comes an unrestricted free agent at the age of 34 the year after that. So you have to have the ability to change to trade for a $91 million contract. That's what somebody has to do. So they, they would get a, a, a ton of assets for that. But who wants to do that? Who's going to do Spurs. that? The Spurs, Popovich will take him in and put him at the center. I swear. That's the only way this can work. <laughs> Westbrook would be one of the best centers in the league, dude. If you let him play the five, let's he grab see every board. Let's see it. So, obviously, the Suns are playing them here in a couple nights. What, Tuesday night, right? Yeah, so, they're Tuesday playing night. them. That's going to be a fun game to watch. It'll be on TNT for everyone so they can watch it nationally. And I hope we really see something like we saw tonight. I hope we just kick the living shit out of them because it's just – you know, and, and and every freaking LA fan will be out there telling you, well, Anthony Davis wasn't well, blah blah blah. It's like, you know, that 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 record has been playing over and over again for you guys. Yeah. You know, so just fucking recognize. The I think fact they're that, even sick of it by now, man. Yeah, they probably are. You know, I mean, it, it would suck to be a Lakers fan in the capacity that you have this guy who uh, comes there and is just constantly injured. So, um, I say the Suns win this game, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Nobody wants Russell Russell Westbrook and Ben. West Brick and Ben Simmons. Ain't that the truth? I take uh, Ben Simmons. He, he I would take Ben Simmons. Too. Yeah, Ben Simmons is a different story. Ben Simmons is still a superstar. So in my eyes, I still think he's a star. I don't think he's a superstar. You got to perform better in the playoffs to become a superstar, right? Yeah, give him another right. chance. Right. We'll give him another chance. Um, so, yeah, there's my LeBron rant. Uh, these are the things I think about Very all good. day long, and I wait for a podcast <laughs> to come out, and then I'm just like, uh, but Suns win. Suns win that one. So, Matthew, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here tonight? No, just, uh, you know, a great win tonight. That's basically it. Yes, great win for the Phoenix Suns again. Uh, you know, best team in the league. Can't argue with that. It's all right there. So we're looking forward to seeing you, Jamsters, once we play again on Tuesday night against the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, make sure that until then, you take the time to hit the thumbs up button below. Follow us on Twitter at Suns Jam. You can follow me on Twitter at Dark Voided. You can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew. Listen. Subscribe, rate, and review. And real quick, if you want a nice shirt, check this bad boy out. This is a Sean Marion shirt. The Matrix. These are at Just Sports. So if you go to shopjustsports.com, you put in Suns Jam in the promo code, you will get 15% off of your purchase. I highly recommend it. This is some sick threads, once again, that uh, that Just Sports has. So appreciate them sponsoring yeah, the pod. Really nice. And on that note, I'm done. I will see you guys on Tuesday coming live from Palm Desert, California. My wife will probably be shooting again. So Matthew, be ready because when it drops, you're going to have to bullshit for like five minutes until it gets back up. I'm staying at that <laughs> hotel again. <laughs> okay, I can't wait. Everyone go home and love your family. Family, take care. Bye.